Welcome back to Screen Studies with Justin and Deja, the podcast where we talk about everything that happens on your screen. Whatever's going on in there, we want to talk about it. And for today's episode, we're talking about Our Flag Means Death with a special guest. So I'm Deja. I'm Justin. And I'm Kenna. And we probably should have prepped you. It's okay, I was ready. I I did improv in college, you know, I'm... Just so people's first thought of you is not, um, this is Kenna who did improv in college. Now you're right. Do you want to tell them a little bit about you? Yeah, let me walk that back. Uh, so I'm not Kenna who did improv in college. Uh, I'm Kenna the Mouse Slayer on TikTok. Um, I talk about film, media, pop culture, whatever I want to. Um, and I'm usually pretty black feminist about it. I say usually, always. It's kind of just my general state of being. But yeah, that's me. It seems like it works into every episode a little reminder that the people on this podcast are black. Can I let y'all forget it? Yes, we are black. <laughs> yes, that's if you're using your screen studies bingo card, please yep. check that one off. We're black. So yeah, that's kind of how this show works. We look at film and television intersectionally, and today we're going to be talking about the hottest show in television right now, Our Flag Means Death. But for this one, I did not watch the show, but Deja and Kenna are very familiar with the show. Deja, what is Our Flag Means Death about? It's about gay pirates. The gay pirate show. I, the best description I heard of it is that somebody, it wasn't created by Taika, but a lot of people think it was, and they described it as like... Somebody told Taika, you can only have one gay ship in your show. So he decided to make a ship full of gay people. <laughs> um, it follows mainly Steed Bonnet, um, a rich man who decided to become a pirate with some unconventional ways and a wacky crew. Uh, and he comes across the infamous Blackbeard. And uh, they both grow from each other, but they also fall in love. Kenna and Deja, can you confirm reports that this is the new Super Hulak? Because it seems as though Our Flag Means Death has fandom in a chokehold right now. And as a person who has not watched this show, why? what is the phenomenon going on with this show? I think it's a number of things. I think it's, I, I call it the crumbs effect, where it's like whenever you have a marginalized group who has just been thirsting after one specific thing for a minute and they get it they'll go rabbit over it uh and critical analysis kind of goes out the door i think that's part of it and that's i said that kind of condescendingly but sincerely like i'm gay i get it i also really want fun escapist romance stories um and i definitely think that's a huge part of the appeal with our flag means death is i think that especially lately i feel like every other take i see from a queer person on the internet is i want more love stories i want more escapism uh and especially in the time of covid i think people are desperate for escapism i think that has a lot to do with it but also i think it's so funny how like this is the first time I think since She-Ra I've seen a productive team be this interactive yeah. with a fandom on Twitter. And that's interesting to me because I I don't know if fandoms themselves realize how much that plays a role in it. Like I remember I saw, I saw this tweet the other day where somebody had drawn like tentacle porn of Blackbeard and I can't even remember the character's name. I think it was Izzy. Hey, whoa, whoa, wait. <laughs> well, 
Deja, I think we lost our PG rating on that one. Um, <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Are we a PG rating? No, is that what this is E for explicit. You can see it on the little description. But, okay, time out. I have a question as someone who has not seen this. Blackbeard, Tentacles, I think of Pirates of the Caribbean. Is is it kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean? Is it like a funny Pirates of the Caribbean? Like, what's going on? I feel on like here? it's doing a nod. I, mm. It's definitely doing a nod. I feel like the Rockstar Pirate was like a complete invention of that film. You know what I mean? Like, what actual pirates were like historically has like gotten so caught up in pop culture myth that I feel like I, I wouldn't say it's like a funny Pirates of the Caribbean. It's definitely not trying to parody that, but I think you can definitely see, like, elements of Pirates of the Caribbean that inspired it. Like, Taika's Blackbeard definitely has some elements of Jack Sparrow, I would say. Yeah, and I think also, like, well, two things. One, on how interactive the cast is watching somebody who's in the show cosplay another character from the show at a Ren fair with their castmate from the show. Like, like, they love the thing that they've created as well. And I feel like that's so much a part of it. And kind of to that point, every single scene, you just know they're having so much fun with it. Yes, there's that kind of Pirates of the Caribbean type element, but there's also just a bunch of people had a lot of fun. I think I read there's a lot of improv within this series as well. Like they got on a ship and they were stupid. But there's also this like reality to it because sometimes it's absurd in a way that I'm like, yeah, people really are that ridiculous. Like when men are really deep in their ego, they do act really stupid. Yes. Like, I'm sorry, Justin. <laughs> I, why am I catching strays in this podcast? On my own podcast, why am I catching strays? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I have a question. I have another question for you guys. Is this is this the Bridgerton vacation of television right now? And that's, I, I don't know if you, Deja, and your television experiences are seeing this as well. As we move past the pandemic, we are, I guess, delving into... Um, worlds that could be and worlds that we want to happen. I guess uh, that multiverse effect of what if there was no racism in the Regency era? What if uh, there were gay pirates, but there were gay pirates, that kind of thing. Is this the same effect that's going on right now? It's interesting because like, I, I feel like I can't... Bridgerton feels like a product of that effect, not like the start of it. And I'm trying to think of what the start is. Ooh. Like, what made okay. us start rewriting history? Kenna, do you have an idea? What started this, like, trend? Because I think it's... All right. Another uh, Screen Studies bingo card moment. Everyone put on your tinfoil hats. Right? <laughs> I think this effect is a trauma response to COVID. And why these things are so popular is a trauma response to COVID. Because we were stuck in our rooms and our houses for so long. We wanted something different than the reality that we are facing now. Not that Bridgerton was made because of COVID, but because it was popular because of the reality that we were all going through. That escaping why we want to see history itself or things that are different from our own reality. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's so interesting because actually something that I get asked on TikTok a lot is people constantly tag me in videos that are like, what do you think the next like movie wave is going to be? Like there was that one video that was like, if superheroes were our response to 9-11 and zombies were our response to the Red Scare, people are always like, what do you think our response to COVID is going to be? And I think the really interesting thing about kind of like escapist 
historical fiction, I think is the best way to describe like Bridgerton's genre becoming more prevalent is that like, there's no new ideas. There's just like things that start to get popular again with certain cultural trends. And that's the really funny thing is I I think this trend of romanticizing and creating multiverses and history, you can actually argue like is at the inception of like blockbusters and like mass entertainment like that's kind of the idea behind the sitcom is creating these like perfect recognizable escapist fantasies of like the middle class home but where everything always resolves and everything always goes back to being normal at the end i definitely think the return to like escapist historical fiction is a product of covid and the summer of 2020, the protests and the like massive raising of black consciousness. I feel like the specifically like historical multiverses is a product of that. It's a product of like white people so badly wanting an escapist fantasy, but we no longer live in a world that enables them to create just like the standard like white history romanticization films. Like I'm thinking like, um, or even though I love it, like the Sofia Coppola, Marie Antoinette movie, like we no longer, I don't feel like there's really room for that in the popular market anymore. Like audiences are no longer accepting these like entirely white casts. Like, like these movies are actually flopping at the box office at this point. And I do think we're at a point where people so desperately want like a quick fix to all of the racism and all of the two years that we just spent locked inside and things like Bridgerton that allow you to like participate in the Regency era, which is an era kind of defined by its social scene, which is like the exact thing we're being divorced from, from COVID, like being allowed to reimagine that time period in history as being as diverse and inclusive as we want it to be, I think is a huge part of the appeal. Interesting. I think also the pandemic gave TV like a little bit more street cred. Like we all love TV and we all respect TV, but so many people don't. TV is just like treated like it's the film's like snotty younger cousin, even though it's so present in people's lives. Yes. Stuck people in their homes. What they were most drawn to was the medium that was created to be experienced in home. Of course, people watch their favorite movies over and over again, but like, the nostalgia that people wanted to return to was their favorite shows was Avatar dropping on Netflix and getting this whole second life. It was uh, very misguided people with bad humor returning to friends. Those were the things. <laughs> Y'all were wrong about friends, but I get why you did it. You're wrong. You should be watching Living Single, but you know, do you? Those were the things that people were drawn to. Those were the things that had this like profound impact. There was like a brief moment for like, movies when it felt like the pandemic was going to like pass by and everyone was watching contagion and pandemic but then it was it was tiger king and even now like tv shows are having moments again and i know that like within television studies it was such a like end of an era when game of thrones ended because it was like that was one of the last like legacy programs Mm -hmm. where people sat down on the day it came out you were expected to do that and participating in the show meant getting online that night. And and now it's kind of back. You think I'm not now Abbott gets two nights. It gets the night it's on cable and it gets the night it's on Hulu. Like when all of these things release, like we're back to having those moments because like we need them and like we need that connection. And I think our flag means death is giving that to queer people in a way that like hasn't really been seen. And queer people of color as well and 
they have a non-binary character whose pronouns are just respected the whole time and it's never questioned because it's just okay it's like so much of escape has to include this idea of or the easiest people to escape are like cishet white people like you can put them in any situation other than what Mm -hmm. we're in now and it's escape but it's like if you are not that if you are black if you are queer if you are a person of anything where like societally you are facing these challenges escape has to mean a world without those or a world where those those are defeated and our flag means death is giving people that but could they have just picked fictional characters (laughs) is my question it would have been so much better if they had just used fictional because i i do legitimately think Especially in the age of streaming, I think filmmakers need to adapt to the time that we're living in. And I think filmmakers need to get hip to the fact that you are no longer dealing with audiences who, like, will come in, watch a movie with some historical context, and then probably not look anything up about it. Like, I think filmmakers need to start thinking about the fact that a lot of times, like, the first thing people do after watching something like that that they know has historical context is Google it. And so if you're hinging your escapism on the omission of a historical fact, like the fact that Steve Bonnet was a slave trade, you've hinged your entire fantasy on something that can be shattered with a simple Wikipedia search. That's kind of a flimsy fantasy, you know what I mean? And it's like, that was my big bump with Our Flag Means Death. It said it's like, once I knew that Steve Bonnet had been a slave trader, the bubble popped. And it just wasn't, it wasn't escapism for me anymore. It became another show where I was now thinking about, oh, but he sold slaves <laughs> and nobody's talking about it and nobody's dealing with it. And he's on a ship with a black character and I'm not supposed to be thinking about that. Cause I think the intention a lot of times when non-black writers see things like that in stories and choose to omit them is they think that not addressing it is escapism. But the concept of like being a black person in a room, knowing something is profoundly racist and hearing nobody say anything about it is kind of the norm under white supremacy. And so it's like, when you know that that's happening in the inception of the show, I do think it like, creates a legitimate barrier for certain audience members where it's like that show can only be escapism. I know for me personally for so long. I'm just curious because Justin, you didn't watch the show yet, but you did research about Steed Bonnet and and you've had me waiting in suspense to hear uh, hear your thoughts. (laughs) So I have not watched the show and here's what I found out about Steve Bonnet and Blackbeard's relationship. Apparently They were just two peas in a pod. And there's been a lot of historical debate on if they were of a relationship, what Blackbeard saw in Steve Bonnet. There's a lot of gray area that would probably make a good show, I'm guessing, right? But apparently slavery in that time and pirates kind of go, they were interconnected at that time. And not that Steve Bonnet was a person who wanted to be a slaver is that a lot of pirates at the time were just involved in the slave trade whether it's taking the cargo for themselves or using slave ships because they were so fast a slave ship had to be super fast to get around because they had human cargo in them and so that's kind of what i guess pirate ships wanted and they would seek out these slave ships and either sink them with the cargo inside, or just throw them overboard. 
because they wanted the ship. So my question to you guys who have seen the show, pirates themselves have been romanticized. Is it that pirates themselves are being romanticized or Steve Bonnet is a slaver that's being romanticized? For me, it is the fact that it's like Steve Bonnet himself Mm -hmm. is being romanticized. It's weird, like, it reminds me of Hamilton. Like, I hate it. But it's like watching people make fan art of a slave trader is really weird. It's weird. It's upsetting. And it's like... Couldn't they just have made him named Steve Connett? Given him any other name. Steve Connett and Brownbeard. It would even be funny because I'm just like, why? Not Brownbeard. Like, I would laugh. I would chuckle. (laughs) I'd giggle. If we can imagine a world where piracy is like about the joy of swashbuckling and it's a dangerous life, but it's also a fulfilling one and where your crew is your family. If we can imagine that, I think we can come up with different names. Like, I think we can make it one step away from reality. But instead it's like, especially with the relationship a lot of white like mega stands end up having with stuff it's all or nothing and so it can't just be like i really enjoy the show Mm -hmm. i really enjoy the storytelling i really enjoy that for a lot of people it's i'm obsessed with steve bonnet i've now read all these books about him i am like he's a cute little baby steve bonnet i'm like that is a grown man with slaves it it's giving it's giving you know, Mika Binder, Thomas Jefferson all over again. Part of the reason why it makes me bristle so much is because one of my critiques of Our Flag Means Death, just kind of like outside of Steed Bonnet, is I understand that a point of the show is that they're trying to like mine into Blackbeard as a deeper character, but I'm really tired of seeing the like sweet, soft, fluffy white person with a big, badass, edgy person of color who like basically serves as their protector from a lot of the bad things in the world. And that's the thing is that it's not even necessarily that I feel like the show harps that dynamic between Steed and Blackbeard super hard. The fandom does. And it's like, it's really upsetting to watch that happen with a character who like, in particular, again, has like a connection to the slave trade. Like, it's really upsetting to watch the repetition of an like a trope that's already steeped in racism and then it also leads to this like oofication <laughs> of steed bonnet yeah it's just like it's weird it's it is very hamilton yeah there's a lot of fan art where before i saw the show i thought either steed was really short or taika bulked up for this role i thought i was going to see Jason Momoa with Taika Waititi's head on it. And then it was just him. And I was like, what was going on in the art? And similarly for Jim and Olu, Jim who's assigned female at birth, who's also smaller and more petite, Olu who's like a bigger black man, seeing art of them where Olu looks like like the big man on campus. And I'm like, Jim is the strong one though. Jim is the one who can fight. Olu just, he swashes some buckles and, and goes mind his bus- to mind his business. Like, why this investment in showing things like that? That's the thing is about fandom. I feel like all of the time that I always come back to is so many times my opinion of a show is I like this thing up until the exact second I have to engage with someone who identifies as a part of the fandom. And that sounds really mean and awful. I'm a hater, so I don't, I really don't mind. (laughs) 
Oh, that's, I forgot who I was talking to. I thought that being a hater is like safe in this space, but it's like, I, there's just this heavy like culture amongst fandoms where it's like the only appropriate way to talk about a thing is with glowing, gushing praise. Like that's my big gripe with a lot of fandom culture is that it's not a lot of like actually like thinking or sometimes even empathizing with the characters it's just people being like I love this I love this I love this and that's fine but if you're being like I love this I love this I love this and then trying to make art based on it and not doing the work of like unpacking your implicit biases like yeah that kind of stuff is gonna slip through in your artwork and it's these like little things that the show gives that on their own aren't even that bad but then like white people see it and I feel like implicit bias is almost like a fun house mirror you know what I mean because I feel like there are a lot of white people who in a way look at Steed Bonnet and Taika Waititi and they do see like this massive big scary man just because that tends to be how white people see people of color like I do think it creates like a fun house effect for white people sometimes when they watch media which is why fan art is like a weirdly morbidly fascinating scape for me i feel like a lot of like white people's implicit biases jumps out in fan art without them even realizing it okay so question for deja and kenna how does how do you fix it if i'm writing a show i want it to be historically accurate but i, I want to see black people i want to see people of color i want to see lgbtqia community in there how do i fix it like what's the solution here i have two answers for Our Flag Means Death, next season, kill Steed Bonnet. What? Would be such a beautiful and fitting end for his story. And also, to watch Blackbeard have to grow as a person, not because of the white man he's near, but just because he wants to, I think would be such a beautiful story. So my answer for Our Flag Means Death specifically, kill Steed Bonnet. It'll be okay. Everybody will be fine. My answer generally is like, dream bigger like even Bridgerton I don't think I want to see white ideas of what fashion is and what like the regency time means can we go bigger can 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 the black characters wear clothes that actually reflect different cultures can can music actually reflect like a wideness it's like the the farthest people can think is it's like a period drama but no racism go go bigger Dream bigger. I, even um, Knots and Crosses is supposed to be a show where it's like, imagine if racism was reversed. But then like most of the clothes they're wearing are like, white Western clothes and like the music they're listening to and the food they're eating. And it's like, why could you only dream as far as 2010 YouTube short film? Can you go farther? Can you reimagine the actual world and the foundation? And I think Our Flag Means Death does get really close to doing that. Mm-hmm. And it really is where it falters that fans fans of color don't get to hold on to the fantasy as long as white fans. Okay. Yeah, I think I think in fantasy we need to start taking like an Afrofuturist approach and not an escapist approach because a huge component of Afrofuturism it's is its philosophy and is that the philosophy of Afrofuturism is not just writing sci-fi stories with black characters it's thinking about how the fact that sci-fi as a genre has predominantly been run and financed by people in the west has influenced the kind of stories we tell about space and science and what we view as being signs of human progress like 
I, th I think what you said about reimagining is exactly right. I think we need to be reimagining the world instead of trying to escape it. Like, I think we need to be trying to think of like, okay, these are the real circumstances of the people of the world we live in now. What is a world that would genuinely and sincerely allow them to escape that? And I think that looking to historical figures to try and reimagine that is a great thing to do for research. I think using Steed Bonnet as a point of reference for research and a made-up character is a great idea. But I don't think that trying to use real historical narratives to like reimagine what we want our world to look like, I think that's kind of like a failed premise. Interesting. I have a question for you, Justin. Oh, me? Me? Yeah. I love me. So Ken and I both went into this not knowing about Steed Bonnet and finding out later. How do you feel... Assuming you're still, after us talking, wanting to watch this, like, how do you feel about the thought of going into this show now that you know that? Like, does it feel better to feel prepared or does it leave you a little uneasy? I think that I'm not surprised, I, honestly, because like we said before, we we all named several examples of this happening. It's just kind of the era of the television that we're in right now. So that being said, like, I... I Honestly, I never was that into pirates themselves or historical like fiction. Not like okay. Here's the thing. Okay, don't don't skip ahead in the podcast. Everyone, calm down. Everyone, calm down. It's I personally never got hung up on historical accuracy ever since probably the Social Network, where we all know <laughs> not a lot of the stuff happened like that verbatim. That that movie was incredible. That story was incredible. It's just because we don't know what Mark Zuckerberg said to Spider-Man. Just because we don't know what they said every single day doesn't make the story any less true. Or, I still love you referring to Andrew Garfield <laughs> as Spider-Man. That's all he is. That's Spider-Man. Yeah, he's the he's the sad boy Spider-Man. You know? But, <laughs> he um, was a very sad Spider-Man. <laughs> that being said... I I personally had no hang hangups on like whether Steed Bonnet was a good person, a slave or not, because as I looked at like just piracy in general at the time, they're kind of interlinked. You know what I mean? And I kind of have to throw that out the window when I'm watching things like Bridgerton. I'm like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like throw that out the window because you know what? This is for another episode. <laughs> Another bingo card moment. Preview for another episode, the Bridgerton episode. Because it's interesting what writers will keep about historical fiction, what's historically accurate, mm. and what they throw away. It's very interesting. Right? Because not all black people are treated the same on that show. Because the darker mm -hmm. skinned characters don't get... You know what? I'll save it for the, another episode. I'll save it for the next episode. We'll save it for that, but I'll just say one, one little tiny thing, because we know the Bridgerton writers' rooms looking like the palm of our hands. <laughs> no! And they had, they had uh, Shonda Rhimes! That don't count. She's that the don't queen. Count. She could do anything. <laughs> she was a producer. She was sitting off to the side, you know, doing her thing. She's a, an amazing eye for mm -hmm. what will sell. Mm -hmm. There's very few people as powerful as her. But it was made by a white man based on books by a white woman with the writer's room that was mostly white and a casting partner. Oh man, can you tell? Save it for the Bridgerton episode. But I think this episode is done. What do you, how do you feel, Deja? I think I think this episode 
another bingo card moment is us both realizing when the episode is done because we didn't. Yeah, we're getting good at it. We're getting better. I love that. Kenna, where can people file their complaints about this episode too? You can find me at Kenna the Mouse Slayer on TikTok. You can also find me at Mouse Abolition on Twitter. Um, and you can find my Instagram through my TikTok. I don't even remember what my handle on Instagram is right now. It's probably Kenna the Mouse Slayer. I'm in a process of rebranding. I'm working through something. You know, it'll be fine. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, I'm also on Patreon. I have kind of low-key been using my Patreon as like a blog. So if that intrigues you, feel free to stop by. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. This was super fun. No, thank you. Thank you. Hey, we may even ask you back for next week. Oh, I mean, we'll that would see. be crazy. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Deja, where can the people send their praises to? Ah, uh, you can send it to Deja Talks TV on all platforms, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of those. Um, and as always, I believe in you. You are more than your last mistake, and I love you. Justin, where can they send their neutral responses? Yes, only neutral responses. You can find me wherever toys are sold, at Freddy's Roommate, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And as always, do better. Good night! Good night, folks.